Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 25th, 2015, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 157, paragraph 6 and 7, focusing our study on 7. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Nadia B., the 12 Traditions, Rosalind C., and reading the text for us today, Terry H., Deb W., and Julie R. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, August 25th, 2015, is 7944. 7944. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Nadia B., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater from Connecticut. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia B. I will now ask Rosalind C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Rosalind C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Ohio. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal personal recovery depends upon LA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rosalind C., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 157, paragraph 6. For context, share, uh, focusing our share on paragraph 7. And I will ask Terry H. to begin our study this morning. Yes, good morning. A vision for you. My name is Terry. I'm recovery compulsive overeater from Maine. Yes, that's me, said the sick man. The very image. You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. 
You fellows are somebody. I was I was once, but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh. Said the future fellow, anonymous, damn little what? Damn little to laugh about what I can see. The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. And I just think this is a, a just a beautiful just a beautiful paragraph uh, when the two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried. So, so now they're driving. You know, they they drove home to Bill Dobson's. You know the. Um, you know, the problem, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and now they're setting setting him up to let him know that there's there's more to do than just, you know, to know about our problem. And, you know, they ask him, you know, they ask him four questions in his story, and, and um, some of those questions they ask him, do you want to quit for good? Um, so I had to ask myself, did I want to quit for good? And, um, you know, and then they ask him, can can you quit on your own power? And, you know, I had to ask myself that same same thing. Can I quit on my own power without help? You know, um, you know, and how well did my way work? And, you know, what I've learned is, you know, I have a mind that's out to get me. And the third question they asked him, you know, do you believe in a higher power? And the fourth question was, um, you know, if he'd be willing to go to this higher power and ask for help without reservations. And, you know, they, they leave him to think about it. And then, you know, they come back and, you know, they, they explain that there's there's more to do, you know, with with this course of action and um you know, so he thinks about it and you know, just like I thought about it, you know, was I willing to admit that, you know, this was my last bottom, you know, that I couldn't I couldn't handle this anymore, that I had tried every option and, you know, was I willing to go to this higher power without a reservation and admit complete powerlessness. You know, just complete, not not have any reservations, not that 98%, you know. Um, you know, was it 100%? And was I willing to do anything, you know, to get rid of this problem? And that meant this was the course of action, the 12 steps. And that course of action was, you know, doing, you know, once I admit and have this need for power and, you know, willing to turn my will and my life over to this power, you know, now the course of action is four through nine. You know, here comes the work. And, um you know, am I willing to do that work? And I remember my guide saying to me, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, how long will it take me to go through the steps? And her reply was, how fast do you want to get well? So I'm grateful to be here this morning. Thanks for letting me share. And I'll pass. Thank you, Terry. Hi, Who else would like to comment on paragraph 7? Jane S. Jane? Anyone else? Okay, then we'll go with Charles H. this morning. Good morning, Charles. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. I sure can. Right. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Charles. I want to drill down where you said, damn little I see spoke about here. You know, I just had that thought. Being in the food ain't no joke. Being in the sugar is no Joe. And you know, like I say, I always, I'm always on the train on the way to work. I don't care who we You know, I have a composer over here, and this is my medicine. I'm taking it. And not that I'm being a reformist or a evangelist, but I see people on the train. They, they, you know, they're doing their thing with what they're doing. But to be in the sugar, to be in the food ain't no joke. 
mean, this is stage four cancer. Sugar is crack. And if I if I indulge in it, I'm going to be dead quicker than, you know, the, the vision is you can't see it when you're in the sugar. Let me talk to myself. I couldn't see the vision when I was in the sugar. And I thank God for a spiritual advisor to tell me that, you know what, like, you know, um, give it up, let go. You're not going to die if you don't induce white flour and sugar and wheat. I thought I was going to die if I didn't have a sandwich. I thought I was going to die if I didn't have a bread. But you know what? It's okay. You know, next level, stay nervous. That's my new motto. Stay nervous means get out of our comfort zone and reach for something else. Reach the sky is the limit in programming. With that, I'll pass. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Charles H. Jane S. Hi, this is Jane S., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Pennsylvania. Um, I just wanted to comment um, about um, how this uh, is, there is a course of action uh, that does need to be followed and how grateful I am to know that course of action and how uh, recent circumstances of my life really drove home um, how uh, getting away from that daily course of action can get in the way. And um, I worked with my big book guide and completed uh, the steps. I guess it's maybe, uh, it was last fall, So, and, and I've um, really been enjoying uh, really wonderful um, relief from the obsession and, and just a lot of freedom and, and joy in my life. Um, I'm a school nurse, and school ended um, in June, and then I had the summer and was off routine, doing a lot of traveling, and um, life started to get in the way with some of my course of action. I, I was body with doing my um, my nightly reviews, and uh, a, a couple of fellows I've been working with, we were sort of, um, they were in a place where we weren't reading regularly and that kind of that wasn't happening and um i really started to feel um things aren't right and had a a couple uh minor episodes with food that i had to clean up no binging or anything but definitely uh taking my will back and um so uh, school started yesterday, and uh, I'm excited to start the school year, but also this was a great lesson. Um, uh, I, it's great to have a routine. I need to work this uh, routine of my um, program course of action, my, my spiritual disciplines, and you know whatever I need to do um, to stay on course with, uh, with my higher power and um, to take care of my illness. Um, every single day, no matter you know what my circumstances are. So I'm so grateful that I sort of had a taste of um, kind of letting go a little bit, or you know, getting away from it, feeling some um, minor uh, repercussions for that, but not you know, not taking the big dive into relapse. But it, it was a, a great wake up call, and that's it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Jane S. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Renata. Anita J. Anita. Anita. Anyone else? 
Kim G. Hi, Kim. Anyone else? Okay, we'll go with Renata G, Anita J, and Kim G. Good morning, Renata. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. And, you know, so, you know, Bill and Dr. Bob, they, they you know, after they talked about the hopelessness of this disease, right, and shared their own experience with it, you know, obsession of the mind, allergy of the body, they, you know, now present a solution. They found a way out. You know, and that's what makes the message so strong. And, you know, today when I try to carry the message, that's what I carry, you know, a way out, a solution through the work of the steps, through the work of this program of action. You know, when I came into the room, I identified in and, you know, found support and, you know, felt home because it was the first time I felt like I belonged somewhere. But, you know, carrying that message that I've heard in the room, that it's just, you know, keep coming back to meetings, um, you know, help you until you can help yourself, whatever. But there was no emphasis for me on the solution, which were the steps, you know. I needed to have this spiritual experience, this spiritual awakening to be free of this, you know, obsession of the mind. And so, you know, and they're very clear here. They say the course of action that they carry. So this is a program of action. Just thinking about it, just, you know, uh, wishing to do it, it's not going to do the work. You know, I need to take action every single day. Being recovered or not, it's action every day. I can never coast. I can never just be. If I'm a real compulsive reader, and I am, I need to work this step every single day. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata T. Anita J. Did you call on me, Melanie? Anita? I did. I okay. Good morning. That was unmuted. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Melanie, in all areas. This is um, Anita J., a recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts. You know. Compulsive overeating, food addiction, it is bigger than anything I'd ever realized. Look what it can do. Look what it did to me. I did the same thing to him. I thought I was somebody and now I'm nobody. So, you know, when you feel that bad about yourself, I think your ears pick up when these friends have been speaking. And I love how they've left the best gift for last. They spoke of their spiritual experience. They've gotten, they have, he has, they've got the, his attention. They're there clear-eyed, even with them joking. Um, all of it, the, the whole package these two fellows have. And um, then, then they come in with our secret weapon. I, that's what I think of it as. God is a secret weapon. It shouldn't be any secret for the world, but sometimes I think it is. And it's really now my ears are open 
I want something that not only, you know, makes my waistline smaller, I want something that fills my soul up again. Everything feeling like I'm a person of worth. I think that's how we came out of the shoot decades ago when we were born. And somehow along the way, all those good little feelings that were given us are gone, some of them anyway, and to have them back again have them back it's just um you can laugh but probably with tears of joy have you ever laughed like that uh that there is a solution and it's through a spiritual experience and you know i think i like the phone readings a lot because i have to listen i mean i don't have to but i do i listen i focus i've got these earplugs on it just draws me and i listen and I hear it so often in the voices of people, uh, their spiritual experience comes beaming through. And I keep thinking, yes, I want to be like that. And I think that's, that's how Bill felt, too. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Kim G., you're next. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Spiritual experience, course of action. You know, I have to tell you, my course of actions for many years in OA was the, what I call the OA walks. Steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, over and over again. And on page 60, we are introduced to the idea that, that, that we are being convinced that, oh gosh, I forget the wording, but that's when we started step three. So at that point, all we've done in steps one, two, and three is we've come to the conclusion that we're powerless. We've come to the conclusion we need a power, and now we're making a decision to seek that power. So that course of action is the action steps of four through nine, and the way that that, that course of action becomes permanent in our life is by the constant practice of 10, 11, and 12. So what I learned in step three is that my whole life has been about getting my way, getting my way. And what I have found is when I, when I don't get my way in the past, I get resentful. When I don't get my way right now, I get angry and depressed. And when I don't get my way in the future, I get fearful. So what does this course of action teach us? You know, in step four, we look at our resentments and our fears and our sex conduct and we get rid of them. And then in six and seven, we identify those character defects which are blocking us off from those power, and we get rid of them. And in steps eight and nine, we get rid of the guilt, shame, and remorse for how we've treated other people. That's the course of action that's going to remove the mental obsession for us. So when we're on page 60, it took us 70-something pages to come to the conclusion that we're powerless. That's what the AA's guys did. They got them – they got – alcoholic number three, so that he felt like he was in a vice and he had no way out. And because he had no way out, he was going to make a decision to take this course of action. So in the chapter, How It Works, we do steps three and four. And in the chapter, Into Actions, we do steps five through 11. That's the pace. Once we come to these conclusions, 73 pages to to conclusion, conclusion, decision, and then in 28 pages, we have a spiritual awakening, which is my goal. Do I know that's my goal? For many years, I thought my goal was abstinence only, and that only brought me misery and depression. So what is my goal today? A spiritual experience, and how do I get that spiritual experience? 
Number one, I have to put the food down. I come to the conclusion I'm powerless. I come to the conclusion I need a power. I make a decision to seek that power. And through this course of action of four through nine, I have a spiritual awakening. And I keep that spiritual awakening by actively living in 10, 11, and 12, which is steps 1 through 12 on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim D. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? It's Vasa Melanie. Uh, Kathy. Oh, hi. Good morning, Vasa. I hear you too, Kathy. Good morning. Thank Anyone you. else? Reva P. Hi, Reva. Got you. Anyone else? To share on this dynamic paragraph? Okay, great. Vasa O, you're first. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And good morning, everyone. And I'm a grateful recovered compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful demonstration in, in these two little paragraphs. My first sponsor shared about her experience, and I could identify with and I felt I wasn't alone and heard about the solution. And again, being in one, you know, I recognized, you know, that, you know, that I was powerless over my food addiction, especially over the sugars and the flour. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even imagine living for the rest of my life without them. And... Uh, Again, I was so ready and so willing because uh, I came to the conclusion in step one and two and three, I can't, he can, and I will let him. You know, when I read, the, you know, in the big book, you know, I could, you know, I said, that's it, I surrender. I can't do this by myself. And I remember when I was into the food, I felt like I was nothing. I was nobody when I was, again, into the food addiction, and I felt like, I am somebody today because my higher power, which I call God, has created me and loved me. And I needed to have that connection with, um, with God that I didn't have a connection before. I believed, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I, at that time, at the beginning, I thought I just needed to be abstinent, and that's all I needed, and I was going to be fine. But when I tried to put the food down and then up and down. I was miserable. And um, so the course of action for me was, which I took the first three steps, and to continue with the rest of the steps the way they're laid out in the big book. And, yes, I can laugh about some of the stuff that I, I used to do when I was into the food. And I'm pretty much open today. You know, I make myself vulnerable and being honest, you know, where I was and how, you know, the food had affected my life and, you know, and how I've been able to get the relief and the healing from the food addiction today, not with just the food, in other areas of my life. And that's what I do. That's what my mission is, just pass it on someone else that really wanted, you know, and are, de- and are desperate to work for it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Kathy Kay? Thank you, Melanie. Can you hear me? 
I can, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for your service, as always. Um, The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience. I have to say that, for me, um, I heard many people speak of their spiritual experience um, and just assumed it would never happen for me. Um, As an agnostic for 40-some-odd years, um, I just did not even understand what it meant to have a spiritual experience. So it was through the kindness, patience, and tolerance of another fellow traveler who was recovered that I was guided um, very slowly through uh, the steps and through the early chapters of our textbook and through her encouragement I was able to become open and willing. And I just want to stress that um, for anyone who's new to the line who says to themselves, this is not for me, Um, I don't, um, I'm not a spiritual being or I don't know how to relate to that idea, Um, that was true for me. Uh, For many years I just, avoided uh, all references to God and higher power. And it was when uh, a fellow traveler was willing to start with where I was and help me work through the pages of our text that I became open and willing. And today I can say I have a vital connection with my higher power, um, whom I do choose to call God, um, and that is nothing short of a miracle. And it took a lot of willingness, a lot of work, and the uh, persistent help of a fellow chaplain. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy K. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. First, I want to thank uh, the people from Vision who left me messages yesterday. I just find this so awesome where support comes from. I think it's going to come from one place, and it comes from 10 or more other places, which is just so awesome. Um, And this paragraph reminds me that I can only share my experience. I can't give somebody a spiritual experience, but I can speak about mine. But I also need to speak about how I got the spiritual experience, which has been so um, explained so well in some previous sharing about the course of action, that I don't just pray and pray and pray, and think that it's magic that my higher power is going to perform these, uh, you know, fantasies or wishes of mine. There's a definite course of action, and it's that balance between action and then, you know, pause and trust my higher power. And I wanted to share just briefly, yesterday was quite a difficult day emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, and thank you, God, for the course of action, my prayer and meditation in the morning, this meeting, which has given me such strength um, beyond my wildest expectations, um, and that balance between taking care of the to-do things, my, day, my check-ins all day long, the upon awakening check-in. Um, I took a pause for prayer and meditation in the middle of a apartment with 
God knows, five or a hundred people, and um, it really strengthened me. And planning the food when there was food platters all over the place um, that never even called to me. Um, and that it was just miraculous. And I was able to partake and be part of and um, really feel this love for my father-in-law, um, who I know is at more peace right now than he was um, before. So it is so awesome. And it's not a one-time shot deal. It's on a daily basis. Action, action, action. Um, and developing that relationship with my higher power. So I am so grateful. I remember an event for a family where all I was doing was being in the kitchen, picking up everything that was on the food platter, and this was so different. So I'm so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on to the next one? It's Sarita L. Hi, Sarita. Good morning. Good morning. Melissa C. And I have you, Melissa. Anyone else? Chrissy. Um, Hi, Chrissy. Let's go with that, and then we can move on after that. Good morning, Sarita, again. It's your turn. Sarita L. Star one. Hello. Hi there. There you are. Good morning. So I wanted to speak about when I first came in, I was given a course of action. And for me, I was told it's action. It's action in every way. I'm a little child. It's running into the street. I can't think about what I need to do next. I need to learn from others and take the right action. I couldn't think myself into right acting. I had to act myself into right thinking. My thinking was the problem. My thinking took me to the food time and time again. And so it was the thinking that was that was in control in my situation, and so I had to then take action by listening to recovered people and making the outreach calls and working the steps. So initially, during the first few months when I was dying of the mental obsession daily, my action had to be to save myself. It was making those outreach calls, and um, I had to do it almost every second of the day. I was dying of the mental obsession. And now that I'm in 10, 11, and 12, and the mental obsession is basically gone, my course of action is different. It's, um, it's remaining in the 10, 11, 12, and it's the daily actions, like people have mentioned before, which is to do my meditation, to do my writing, and to continue making those outreach calls to newly recovered people and to my network to get my support. So the action does change over the course of time and program, and what I needed initially has changed, but it's always to... It's in order to recover my thinking into the proper place because that was my that was my problem and um, thank God today for for the the program of recovery and the twelve steps and those and and all of you who have been in my network to help me change my thinking and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Sarit L. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, when I first um, came to OA um, and I heard people talk about God and higher power, um, you know, I, like, recoiled against that. I just, um, I just couldn't stand to even 
or God or higher power. I, it, it, to me, it felt like a cult, and it seemed crazy. Um, you know, and I was very confused. I um, thought wishing was praying, and so I was sure that praying didn't work because I, I didn't hear the action part. You know, I thought um, you have the spiritual awakening first. And then somehow you have the ability to do all the things as a result of the spiritual awakening. And it's the opposite. You know, it's the 12th step when we have that awakening. The awakening is the result of the action, not the other way around. I confused um, spiritual experience with religious affiliation. And, you know, for some people that could be connected. um, And it could be the way in some people um, get to their higher power. But for me, the spiritual experience happens and continues to happen independent of my religious affiliation. You know, it truly happened as a result of action. Um, you know, I used to pray to God by telling God what I needed. God was a genie. You know, it was a genie to me, and I believed if I said the right words um, or if I was the right person, then I would be deserving and I would get my way. I pray to God to make me thin, to make things go according to Melissa's plan. Um, But I continued to eat, and I continued um, to get angry when life didn't unfold according to my plan. You know, I used to cry and beg to just have some peace. um, And yet by the afternoon, I was taking the opposite action of the things that would bring me peace. Um, You know, so for me, my spiritual experience truly happened as a result of the work, of the steps. Um, You know, and I had a huge epiphany one day that God was right there with me. You know, it it struck me. um, It was scary in a sense that it happened because all of a sudden I realized, um, you know, there was this spark inside of me. There was this piece of me that was still hopeful for a miracle and that um, my heart was still beating, my breathing was consistent, and that could be my higher power, you know. For me, it began um, to be apparent that my higher power was just the opposite of my lowest weakness. And, you know, now with that in mind, as I take the actions, um, my perception of God is very broad. I, you know, I can see God at my bird feeder. I can see it in the voices of my fellows, you know, listening on this line. Um, And yes, even in a religious institution, you know, I stopped being prejudiced to other people's definitions of God. Um, really through the course of action of this program. And the more open I am, the more I'm rewarded um, by seeing God's presence. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Chrissy M. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. It's Chrissy M. Recovered, compulsive eater and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I love the full version of the serenity prayer. I wanted to read it. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time. And this is really where my spiritual awakening happened. Enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it trusting that he will make right all make all things right if I surrender to his will. 
that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. And that is definitely, that that has been my spiritual awakening. That when I looked at, when I did the work and I looked specifically what blocked me from being connected to people, isolating into the food, was that I just would not take this world as it was. I wouldn't take people as they as they were. I wanted people to be different, and I wanted the world to be different, and I just was going to just not participate. I'm just not participating. And, and so that, obviously, I had no choice but to participate because I'm alive, and I'm still here on Earth, so the pain of resisting, participating in the world, fighting, just being alive every day was so exhausting. And that's the spiritual awakening that I've been given new eyes that I could see this world for the reality that it is and and still love it and still love myself and, you know, not in spite of my shortcomings, but because of them, that I'm human and it's beautiful and I was never able to see those things so I'm truly grateful for the spiritual awakening and I I um, hope that I can communicate that to my sponsees because sometimes sometimes it's like talking a different language if someone's not there yet you just have to they have to have a little blind faith that's all I have in my past thank you Chrissy M Thank you for those that shared on that paragraph. We're going to move on now to paragraph number eight. Deb W., will you take us into that paragraph of study, please? Sure. Uh, this is Deb W., uh, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Oklahoma. Okay, so it says, he interrupted. I used to be strong for the church, but that won't fix it. I prayed to God on hangover mornings and sworn that I'd never touch another drop, but by 9 o'clock, I'd be boiled as an owl. And that reminds me of all the promises I made to myself about after, you know, binging and feeling miserable. And before I took that first bite that next day, I, I promised that to God. If you would just relieve me. But like the person in the paragraph, I always pulled it away from God and put it back to me. I needed to figure it out. I needed to do a thing to make me get out of this problem, this spiritual malady. Um, it kind of makes me think of uh, uh, on page 11 in uh, Bill's opinion or Bill's story is to Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching, most excellent. I, too, like Bill, I adopted certain things. I, I felt like, okay, my soul, according to my religion, my soul is, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about that. That's over with. I believe, and so I'm saved. But what I didn't know, I didn't understand that um, there was more to it. You know, it was just not, you know, about that. There was a disconnect from understanding the religion and understanding the power. Um, so also, I understand I have this allergy. I understand that I have this mental twist. I understand that it takes a spiritual malady 
I mean, it's a spiritual malady that takes a spiritual solution. So what did I do? What do I do at this point? Well, on page 55, it tells us that we don't have to chase and look for Just like the speaker said earlier, we don't have to chase and look for that power. That power is within us. You know, we, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. He was there. He was as much a fact as we were. So, you know, he came in the box like something you order from the store. It was in the box. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. And so what I'm gathering is that, or what my experience is that I couldn't find this in the church, but I found it in the steps. I found it when I had a spiritual malady that I couldn't fix, that I couldn't figure out by walking through these steps. Uh, It says the consciousness of your belief is sure to come. And this power is the spirit of God. This this power is omnipotent. It's uh, unlimited power. It's omnipresent. It's everywhere. Uh, at the same time, it's omniscient. It's all-knowing, all-wise. It's above my ability. It's above mankind's ability. This 12 steps that we go through just gives us a piece of this. It gives us a piece of all that is to come in our life. This gives us the spirit that teaches us more and more about the power. And so it happened for me. And so it happened for people I know. So I know it's there for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Pardon me. Thank you, Deb W. Who would like to comment on this particular paragraph? And it looks like for time-wise, we have room for probably three, maybe four people. I hear Larry. Lisa H. Larry. I'm so sorry. Hang on just one moment. I have time for about three. I want to make sure I caught these folks. And I heard Paula, and I heard Leah, and I might have room for one more. Who did I hear before Do? Lisa H. Let's go with Do Hell then. I'm sorry. I know I've missed people and got them out of order. Larry K., Paula D., Leah M., and Do L., and we may very well just revisit this tomorrow. Hi, Larry. Hi, Mel. Thanks so much, uh, Larry Kay, um, uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater. So for me, this paragraph illustrates why the steps are, are so very necessary. And you see a, a complete spiritual transformation must occur before we're brought into alignment with our higher power. That was my experience. So in other words, until we're positioned properly, you know, being moved from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, we don't experience the psychic change that results in driving out the obsession of the mind. And remember on page 85, it says, and I quote, you know, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. So what I hear in Dr. Bob's voice is really the same thing I hear, you know, his voice in this particular paragraph is really the same thing I hear from, from countless others, and I can relate so, so very well to that, which is, 
you know, some variation of the following, you know, wait, I already believe in God or wait, I, I already had a spiritual awakening. But by nine o'clock, they were boiled as an owl. They were drunk as Dr. Bob was. And, you know, before sundown, I had my first, you know, my fist extended into a bakery box, a, a bag of candy or a container of ice cream. And I, and I wish that a foxhole prayer, you know, was enough, but my experience suggests that it, it, it wasn't. What's required is a complete and utter psychic change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out the obsession. And anything short of that, in my experience, is called temporary sobriety. And uh, anyways, that, that's why this, uh, you know, these steps are so very important. It, you know, a, a, a knowledge that God exists or a higher power exists wasn't enough. I certainly had knowledge of that. What was required was that I be brought into alignment so that I, I was no longer block, blocked off and I was brought into a, a new relationship with that higher power. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Paula D. And thank you. This would be Paula D. And thank you, Melanie, for your service today. And, uh, yes, I am Paula D. currently in uh, New Hampshire. I am a compulsive reader, and I am recovered. You know, I'll go down, and we'll drop it right down. Scoot on to that last line. He interrupted. Whoa. Interrupted Bob and Bill? I used to be strong for the church. Bob and Bill were listening. Bob knew about that one. Bill knew his path. They allowed him to interrupt. They didn't say any more. They let him talk. I used to be strong for the church, but that won't fix it. Oh, I just would love to see the glances that they must have gave to each other. We know about those. I prayed to God on hangover mornings. Yeah, we know about that too. And sworn that, that I never touch another drop, but by 9 o'clock we boiled as an owl. We identify in here where we were. And where we are. I just want to say, as I see, look at the miracle here, it says a course of action. A course of action. He did the first thing. He prayed to God. <laughs> no listening on his part. He didn't know. He didn't know. And that's where Bob and Bill come in. And that's where we often come in. But I want to come to this place of spiritual experience. It says here, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. I think this guy was a lawyer. Honey, he had to have some self-discipline. He got himself through law school. That in itself takes a lot, with few exceptions. Now, look at this. Our members find they have tapped, how gentle is that word, an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. I will return to this page. This opens a door. That spiritual experience and awakenings. Can you see the awakening? Can you watch this man as he's gone through? But wait. Can you look at Bill and Bob? Yeah. What they passed on. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Leah M. Thanks so much, Mel. 
Um, I've prayed to God on hangover mornings and sworn that I've never touched another drop, but by 9 o'clock I'd be boiled as an owl. And, you know, the big book attends to this because people do come in, you know, with a belief system, um, a faith in God. The big book attends to it in numerous places. One place that comes to mind is page 93, you know, when working with other people. He'll be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. Yeah, you know, the program of recovery, it's not just about ordinary faith, so to speak, ordinary religious practices. Um, This is a transformation that we're talking about. This is an experience, you know, uh, called to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. That's the bottom line um, that we're talking about. Page 24 refers to the same thing, you know. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We don't have sufficient force. We may have a faith in God. We may have a belief in God. But we don't have sufficient access. We don't have sufficient force. We don't have power. We are powerless. So the essence of what the 12 steps do uh, for us is remove the things that block us from having access, block us from the higher power deep down within us. And as soon as the block is removed through this course of action, we have contact with that higher power. And as soon as we have contact with that higher power, we become sane. And what does sane mean to people like you and me? Sane means that we're no longer returning to the foods and eating behaviors that create those uncontrollable cravings, that phenomenon of craving. So when people do come in and they do have this belief in God, uh, if they're not sane when it comes to food, it's clear they have blocked off that route to sanity. And the only solution we know is to get rid of the blocks. And how do we get rid of the blocks? The course of action, specifically steps four through nine, and continuing to live in 10, 11, and 12. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much, Leah. Do L, we do have time for you. That's great. Thank you. Do L. Star one, do. Good morning. <laughs> thank you, Melanie. I was having a hard time unmuting. Um, yeah, uh, this is Dual Recover Compulsive Overeater, and I, I love this. It says, you know, um, I try religion, and um, I prayed to God uh, for the hangovers in the morning and swore off that I would never touch it, but by by 9 o'clock, I was bored as an owl. And, you know, it just reminds me of people who come into program and they say, well, I pray for abstinence, and I can't seem to be abstinent. I can't get it, and I'm praying to God. You say that the solution is God, so how come I can't get this? How come I can't seem to pull that off? And, you know, on page 101, it says if, if we meet these conditions every day, and what are the conditions? Being able to put down the food, being able to put down the alcohol. It says the alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind, and there's something the matter with his spiritual status. 
And, and that's it. it. It's bottom line. It doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship with God, but maybe the connection that you have with God is not connected correctly. And so what, what, what does the big book say? You know, we're going to show you precisely exactly how to get connected with God properly. You know, and there's 12 steps that will take you through this process. Um, because, you know, you first have to understand that you have a disease that condemns you to compulsive eating. And, and that part of that disease condemns you to not stay abstinent, um, which is called the physical and the mental. Um, so when I pick up my binge foods, I'm condemned to continue eating. When I stay abstinent, I'm condemned to have that compulsion to go back to the food. Um, so how do I get connected with this higher power? How do I know that I am uh, doing this the right way? Well, on page 100, it says, if I follow these dictates of the higher power, you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance may be. But I have to do something about it. I must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. And if you persist, remarkable things will happen. And for me, walking in this way means working the steps, working the steps. And every day that I work the steps, a little bit of myself gets, it disappears. A little bit of the self continues to go away and more of God continues to manifest. And when I'm able to do that, then I'm able to put down the drink. Then I'm able to do these things. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that I have to get God first to be able to put down the drink. Let me correct that. Um, that's academic. If I don't ever pick up my binge foods, I am not going to trigger the phenomenal craving. The greater aspect of my disease is a mental obsession, which drives me back to the food. And that's what the steps helps me with. That's what that connection with that higher power connects me with, that it will always help me to get back to God and keep me abstinent. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. And thank you to everyone who shared today. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following, excuse me, immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and followed by the serenity prayer. Will Julie R. please read from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, thank you, Melanie. This is Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread to the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.